Hello, and thank you for joining Breadcrumb Theory, a modern-day podcast navigating the digital age. We are your hosts, Melissa Schwass and Eric Shear. Welcome. Hey, Melissa. How are things today? Uh, you know, it's not 100 degrees today, so not too bad. Yeah, not too bad over here. What do we got on deck to talk about today? Uh, I think this might be your favorite topic, and one that I'm slowly easing into my daily life, smart homes. Oh, fantastic. So Internet of Things. We can definitely have a whole good conversation about that. You know, Eric, that's a good topic to discuss, but what is the Internet of Things? I think that means different things to different people, just like when you hear the cloud. Sure. So, you know, if we we look at all these cool things and these gadgets that we see on TV and on the Internet, and we kind of think, oh, wow, you know, how how do I use that or how do I do that? Those gadgets are part of a thing called IoT, right? Internet of Things. And the Internet of Things are basically internet-connected devices. So your refrigerator, for instance, can now talk to the internet and, and, and then to maybe a mobile app on your phone that tells you, well, you know, how cold it is in there and if you're running low on milk. Uh, you have sprinkler systems in your home that can tie hmm. into internet weather and either run or not run based on whether it's going to rain. So it's all of these devices that are, are automating a lot of things that we used to do on, you know, basic timers or some other, other, other way of managing it. I mean, like you used to just open the refrigerator and look at the milk, right? <laughs> and uh, most of us still do a lot of that. So I thought what we'd talk about is a section of Internet of Things and smart home automation and kind of how to get your feet wet into starting to automate some of the functions of your home and kind of what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, what's a gimmick and, and, and what's more useful. That's an interesting topic for today. And as always, we both have two different perspectives on smart homes. I know you are a huge adopter of smart home and automation gadgets. And on the opposite side, I'm just getting started. For instance, my lights automatically turn on every morning. And I thought that was ridiculous to have such a thing occur, but it's been game-changing and life-changing. So I stand corrected on smart home gadgets and adoption in your daily life. Yeah. yeah. And once you figure out how useful some of these things can be, then it's almost impossible to go back. Think about your car. And if you have a newer model car, chances are you've got a reverse camera on it, right? So anytime you put it in reverse, uh, your video screen shows you exactly what's behind you. That was like a fancy feature not that many years ago, and it was an option. And a lot of people, you know, we're like, I don't need that. I, you know, I've been, I can drive in reverse just fine. I've never needed it before. But I remember when I first got a car that had that function in it. And once I got used to it, and I can't even remember a time where I, I would never get in a car. I would never buy another car again that didn't have that as a feature. Like it just makes it so much easier. And you don't appreciate how much easier it is until you have tried it. So really, what we want to talk about when we talk about smart home is how to automate a bunch of things within your home that make your life easier that you may not even know you need right now. So a good example of that would be, have you ever tried to turn on or flip a light switch with your arm full of groceries? That's a pain in the butt. You kind of got to juggle things and what have you. So what happens if you just walk in and your lights turn on, right? Because there's motion sensing uh, sensors in there or you know, with a voice command, you can, you know, say, hey, Google, turn on the lights in the kitchen, right? It's, it's like modern day clap on and clap off. 
Exactly right, right? <laughs> it's just smarter version of the clapper. <laughs> or if you're like me and you're sitting on the couch and the light switch is out of arm's reach, you grab your longest remote and you stretch to turn off the light or turn it on because you're just far too lazy to get up. Embarrassing, I know. Uh, that's every night in the Schloss household. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, it, it seems like we're being lazy at, at, at first, right? Until we've implemented these things in our home, and then they just become normal, right? You know, I remember old televisions when I was a kid, you'd have to get up and turn the switch manually, right? And like a remote control was, you know, something that came with HBO when cable first came out. I was like, ooh, this is really fancy technology, and, you know, you get teased by your parents and your grandparents. You're like, what, what's the big deal? Get off your butt and go change the channel. Now, none of us could even dream of watching TV without a remote control, let alone control your television through your phone. So really, this talk is more about not what's cool on the market and all these things and not telling you whether to buy Alexa or, you know, a Google Home Assistant or what have you. It's more about how do you adopt this technology and what are kind of like the entry-level steps you can take to make it useful and get a taste of whether or not it's something that you, you, you want to delve deeper into? So if you're someone like myself, Eric, who, mm, you know, I could give or take some of these fancy gadgets, what is a good way to ease into automating and making your home a smart home? Sure. So when you look at everything, you go into your Best Buy or you look online, it can be overwhelming. So the goal is to start small and solve basic problems. One of those basic problems I like are lights, right? Lights and uh, power. So when we talk about smart things in the home, what you don't want to do is buy a lot of individual smart home products, right? And because each of them is going to have their own app, each of them is going to have the way that they connect, whether it's wireless or Bluetooth or, or you know, some other mechanism. And you need an orchestrator, right? An orchestrator is just a fancy word for saying something that's going to aggregate all your devices and run them for you. So that's what Alexa does. So Alexa or Google Assistant, right? They usually will integrate with a lot of these devices, and depending on whichever one you prefer, you're probably going to always make sure that the smart home products that you're purchasing work with either one of those. And there are others as well, but I'm going to use these two as kind of the, the low-hanging fruit here. I use Google a lot. Other people like Alexa. We know so, you're an Android fan, so that makes complete yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. No, I like, I'm an android uh, aholic. Uh, I am a self-admitted fanboy. So anyway, starting, starting small. So with that, you can do small actions, right? My mom, who's like the most technophobic person on the planet, is in love with Alexa because Alexa helps her cook. And she likes the fact that she can just say, hey, Alexa, start a timer for five minutes, right? And, and she can kind of go about her business. She doesn't have to, you know, find her old school timer. She doesn't have to use her phone and then kind of set it down. And, you know, it just does it right? It just does it and lets her know when it's done. And she goes and checks it and then tells Alexa what to do next. That's the most basic thing, right? You can say, Alexa, what's you know the stock price of GE today? You can ask it basic questions. And those are just useful things. But something as easy as a timer, that's a good start. 
And then as we expand, what I used to do when, when smart things first came out, I was a big smart light person. So I bought a ton of smart light bulbs and, you know, they change color and, you know, they do all kinds of cool stuff. And while I like that, it's not really what I use day in and day out. I'm not often changing the color of my light bulbs to blue uh, or sunset savannah or trying to set the mood or whatever. What I want them to do is turn on, turn off, dim, and get brighter. And so the best way to do that is just to stick with your your standard light bulbs that you already have and buy smart outlets, smart light switches. You just replace your old legacy uh, outlets and, and switches. A lot of these are voice activated, so they'll tie into Google or Alexa. They have an app for your phone. So that allows you to keep all your existing furniture, your lamps and, and appliances, and now you, you've, you have a way to automate them, right? So if you have a traditional coffee pot, I'm a huge coffee snob, and my favorite coffee pot is not a fancy automated one, right? Like it's designed to brew really good coffee, but I got to manually turn it on and off. It's Technoverm. But if I hook it into my smart outlet, now I can set a schedule and I can tie that outlet to Google. So I can say... Google, at 6 a.m. every morning, start my coffee, and it'll do that command, right? Or when you say, good morning, Google, you can set off a whole daisy chain of events where it turns on your lights, it starts your coffee pot, it turns on your television and puts the news on. Uh, a lot of these things are, can, can be done pretty easily. And like I said, you, you, you start small, so automating your lights is a godsend. Once you get used to that, then you'll, you'll kind of want to delve into to other areas. Your sprinkler system, if you have the old school like rainbird sprinkler systems, where, you know, they're this kind of cryptic ancient device with you know, dials that are really kind of hard to figure out like what's actually happening. I have automated sprinkler system that runs it on an app on my phone, it ties to the weather, it saves me a ton of money on water, and it just works. Uh, and it's fantastic. And if I feel like I need to water because the rain didn't actually show up, then no big deal. I just tell it to run for 15 minutes. So all of these things, I don't think I could live without anymore now that I have them. Um, and, and so once you get the lights and the electricity going, then your thermostat is next. Thermostat and, and like garage door and rain, right? And you don't, it doesn't need to be fancy. Like don't fall for the the gimmicky stuff of like the smart refrigerators. I still haven't figured out why I would need a smart refrigerator. I just can't for the life of me figure out how your refrigerator can tell when you're out of milk. I just, maybe I just not thinking big enough, but I just still have a hard time wrapping my my mind around, okay, my refrigerator is pinging me on my cell phone. You're out of milk. Right. And, you know, and I'm being, you know, it was a little being a little, little tongue in cheek there at the beginning, but I mean, you know, usually it's got a camera on the inside, right? And so it's showing you a picture of your inside of your refrigerator. And that's to keep you from opening the door and letting the cold out, right? So it's energy efficient. And it, uh, it lets you see at a glance, you know, what you what you need, what you don't need. Now, I don't know if you like me, but my refrigerator is a hot mess in the inside. So I don't think I, I can barely look at it and figure out what I need. So I don't know how, again, how useful it is. But you know, whatever makes sense for you, again, you you need uh, like Google or an Alexa type of thing uh, to automate everything, right? Because everything that kind of runs on its own technology and you need, as long as they interoperate with uh, a major platform like Google or Alexa, then, then you only really have to understand how to issue commands to Google or Alexa instead of trying to, you know, go through your phone and launch, you know, 15 different apps for stuff. So light switches, outlets, thermostat, security is also a good one. 
And then the other thing that's kind of boring, but is really important to understand is these are all connected to the internet, right? Which means they're connected to your wireless internet in your home. And a lot of times, if you just have the basic, you know, Wi-Fi router that comes with your, you know, your internet provider, that's not going to be strong enough or capable of running all of these devices. So it's going to, uh, you know, degradate your, your internet experience. So I highly recommend you look at like a full mesh Wi-Fi solution. So Google makes one. Their Google Nest Wi-Fi is great because you put Wi-Fi routers and hubs in all the different rooms and it just boosts the strength and the capabilities of your Wi-Fi in your home. Uh, Netgear makes some. The Orbi is another good one that, uh, that I actually own. Um, and, a bunch of, so, and there's a bunch of other ones. So a little bit of research will go a long way. But if you do get into this, you're going to want to upgrade that and, and make sure you have strong enough uh, Wi-Fi in your home to support all of these devices. Yeah, that's really good advice because I think a lot of us see the the worst of the worst on the news. But we've seen a lot of articles come out that baby monitors were getting hacked or people's um, smart devices were getting hacked. And so if you do get a smart device, open it up, plug it in and change that password almost immediately, not only on that device, but also make sure your wireless password at home is strong enough and don't really share it out with a lot of people. Sure, if you have friends come over, Give them the password if you trust them. Hopefully you trust your friends. But really just be smart about what devices you're using and making sure that they're secure because you want to make sure that your family's safe because right now our lives are our digital lives. They are no longer segregated. No, not at all. You made a bunch of really good points. So, you know, they're the downside of these, you know, the Internet of Things um, and all these smart devices is that a lot of them weren't really built with security in mind. Right. They were built to serve a function because, you know, a lot of times I just don't think that security, you know, gets baked in because of either cost or because, you know, who's going to hack a baby monitor. But it happens. And we'll talk about this in another episode about doing what you just said, which is securing the network, changing all the default passwords and, and, and taking some precautions. And that even might include having like a home firewall, right? Something that will inspect the traffic as it leaves your house to make sure that nobody's hacked, uh, you know, your refrigerator or what have you, because they could cause a lot of, you know, strife. They can cause a lot of problems. And just for the fact that they terrorize you through your, your baby monitor, or maybe they shut the power off to your refrigerator, spoiling hundreds of dollars worth of food. You know, there are things that we need to consider. And so uh, security is paramount and Taking a little bit of time to learn how to adjust the security settings on your devices will go a long way in, in keeping you uh, secure. Absolutely. And if you're someone like me that, you know, smart homes, you really haven't bought in. I have to say to Eric's point, those smart, smart Bluetooth plugins that you can connect your light to are game changing. I can turn that light on and off from my phone. My husband uses Siri to control it. And so waking up in the morning, my lights literally dim up. My alarm clock literally starts soft and goes loud. And my coffee pot starts on automatically. And if you're an early riser or first forced to be an early riser like, like I am, that is game changing. I think my husband is seeing the change in my demeanor in the morning. I used to be one of those people that, are, that were like, don't talk to me. I need two hours at least. But now I wake up and I've just created this strong routine for myself through my technology and it's made me so much more productive. So definitely check that out. 
And another thing I do want to comment on, if you are, again, not a strong adopter of, of smart technology, check out those strips that Eric was talking about. Those power strips that Eric mentioned can save you upwards of $2,000 a year on your energy bills because what you are experiencing is called vampire power. And these TVs and these electronics, even your washer and dryer, your refrigerator can suck out extra power that you don't mean to give to these electrical companies. And by just having a smart power strip, you can cut it off at the source and save a significant chunk of money in your annual spend. And so I think that's really huge to point out here is that even if you're not a huge tech geek, you can save money and you can save time in your life. No, absolutely. All uh, very good things. I think, you know, for those who want more details, uh, you know, just let us know. I'd be happy to uh, share some more ideas with you on more specific things. Um, but what I'd like to talk about now is, is, is we're talking about Internet of Things and we're talking about smart technology in your home. How about smart technology that you wear? Oh, that actually makes me very, very excited because I think this ties into just more than our day-to-day -day home lives. This ties into our health. Uh, you're going to be able to interact with your doctors better. And for me, I actually got a neck massager recently that is smart technology. And I know it sounds like you don't need it, but many of us wear our stress in our shoulders and our neck, and that will cause long-term side effects. That has been game-changing, especially as most spas are closed right now. Like I said, game-changing. Right. And so you know, kind of what does the future look like for that? Because a lot of these things are just now starting to come around. But again, they were novel ideas when, uh, you know, just a few years ago, right? Like smartwatches are kind of like the tip of the iceberg, right? You know, you have an Apple iWatch, you have a Samsung Galaxy watch, um, and they do some really cool things, right? Like they could take your pulse and, and, and they could uh, detect when you're being active. They can track, uh, you know, your walks for you because they're GPS enabled. So they do a lot of cool things and a lot of people find, you know, that they're, they're very useful in helping them with their fitness goals. But I want to talk about what's coming down the pike that's just a few months to a couple of years away. And some of these things are, are also considered Internet of Things, right? Like smart clothing uh, and, and like smart jewelry. Uh, there's rings out there that have sensors in there that can monitor your heart and your pulse as accurately as an EKG, right? And tied to an app can certainly give, as, as you said, Melissa, you know, your doctor uh, a bigger, uh, better picture over time, right? So these are some of the things that we're going to start to see, not only with our health, but like, uh, like you're talking about your neck massager, there are wearables that have what's called haptics in it. And haptics are feedback, right? That, 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 that sense, it's like touch or like a mild shock. Shock's not really a good word, but it's, it's a, it's a touch-based technology, right? And so you can wear these sensors in on your spine in your back. So when you're slouching over, like I tend to do while I'm typing because I sit at a computer all day long, it senses that and then gives you this kind of vibration that tells you, hey, straighten up your posture. And just the simple act of touch, you know, and your body responds to it. It's incredibly powerful versus, you know, somebody telling you something or you're trying to remember it on your own. So some of these these new clothing uh, clothing lines and other devices that you can wear will actually help you with posture, which I think is is pretty awesome. I think it is because they're showing so many studies that show your spine alignment can really impact your life. And I had a conversation with a friend, I think this is actually a year or so ago, 
where we talked about what the future of humans are going to look like because of our technology. And he was joking. He's like, we're all going to look slouched over. It's no longer going to be those 80 to 90 year old women that look slouched over. He's like, we're all going to have humpbacks. So if you want to avoid a humpback, you should definitely get one of those uh, wearable technologies to put in the middle of your back. Yeah, for sure. To give another really good example, I'm kind of one of the things that uh, I, I just read recently on a, on, on, on a TED talk, actually, was GPS-enabled uh, wearables, like it's a, a, like a wristband, and it's designed to help. It's built for the blind, but it's good for anybody who wants to use it. And what it does is give, it understands the route that you're going, and it understands that you're in a street or sidewalk and because of where you are on, on GPS and it gives you feedback via vibration and it tells you if you're going off course or not. And again, just a sim simple touch and you can communicate so much information through touch uh, that, you know, it's kind of our, our first and basic language before we develop speech. And this bracelet allowed uh, one of their test subjects, a, a blind man, to run 15 miles of a marathon completely unaided. Uh, and that's unbelievable to me. And, and just through the haptic touch, right? So these wearable devices are going to start, we're going we're gonna to pretty soon, within a few years, uh, pretty much everything will be a sensor, right? So we're going to constantly get new information and feedback and whatever. And we're going to incorporate all this data into our lives. So even though we don't deal with it now, or we know we should, you know, sit up straight while we're typing, we don't have to think about that in the near future, right? We're going to have clothing and, uh, you know, devices that, that help do it for us. And so we don't have to think about it. Again, very cool to think about. And definitely it's coming down the pike. So if you, if you just kind of start Google wearable technology, you, you'll, you'll come, you can go down a huge rabbit hole. I think we're seeing right now uh, a complete generational shift, right? Uh, a lot of people in America specifically are getting older to a, the point that they're calling it the silver tsunami. Baby boomers are retiring at faster rates. And that's not actually just happening in America, that's happening global. So this technology is really going to help our loved ones if they have a fall or if they need a medical assistance, you can have that technology ding the ambulance right away. So you're you're not having that middleman, which is most likely you, uh, get in the way of getting them help right away. And we're going to see adoption, I think, faster than a couple of years. I think it's going to start happening within later this year and next year because this technology is really impactful. Many of us can't see our loved ones due to COVID, and that's impacting retirement homes and nursing homes. And so this technology is really, really going to be game changing just just along the lines of our health. Oh, for sure. So I think that's all I got on the subject. Um, but again, what I really appreciate is, you know, what questions do you have? What things are you looking at? What do you think is good? You know, we kind of love feedback. So anything you want to uh, give to us about topics you might want to hear about, or if you want us to go in deeper on some of these topics, you know, please let us know. Check us out on social media, like, subscribe, give us a review. And until next time, thanks everyone.